You hear a knock on the door and open it to find two friendly representatives from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormon Church. So what will you say? Will you send them away without a Christian witness? Or will you engage them in a meaningful and Christ-honoring conversation? If you desire the latter, may we suggest the book, Answering Mormon's Questions, by Mormonism Research Ministries' Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson. Answering Mormon's Questions is available wherever you find quality Christian books. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Yesterday, we opened the show by explaining that back in July of 2022, Eric, myself, and a friend of this ministry, Trevor Wolf, visited several historical sites pertaining to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our first stop was in Nauvoo, Illinois. So you could say we were kind of going backwards because really Nauvoo comes at the end of LDS history, at least during the time period when Joseph Smith was alive. But we landed in St. Louis, drove up to Nauvoo, which is about a three and a half hour drive. And we met with Steve Daly, who's with the Nauvoo Christian Visitor Center. He also has the website Mission to mormons.org that's mission the number two mormons.org and the nauvoo christian visitor center is right in the heart of nauvoo near where the temple is located we were there to assist him with handing out literature during the pageants that are held during that particular time of the year and so we're talking about some of the things that we heard and actually commenting on many of the things we did not hear. And Tuesday, July 12th, was certainly a day where we did not hear a lot of probably what we should have heard because we were visiting the Carthage Jail. Now, the Carthage Jail is located a bit of a distance away from Nauvoo, Illinois, but this was the county seat at the time Joseph Smith was arrested, and he was put in the Carthage jail. He was there with his brother Hiram, also John Taylor, and Willard Richards. So these four men were in the jail. It wasn't that he was not visited by others during that time period, but we should mention that while he was visited by a number of people, he was visited by a man by the name of Cyrus Wheelock, who left Joseph Smith a pistol. He smuggled the pistol into the jail. Another man by the name of Fulmer also smuggled a pistol into the jail. And when Joseph Smith saw this pistol, he gave it to his brother Hiram. Now, this becomes significant to the story because even though both men, Joseph and Hiram, had smuggled pistols with them, that is not a part of the tour. I should say this. It did not surprise me because I have visited the Carthage jail on a number of occasions and never do they mention the smuggled pistols. But I find that in talking with a lot of the tour guides afterwards, they all seem to have known about the smuggled pistols, but they just didn't include it in the narrative. When you go to the Carthage jail, you were taken upstairs 
to a room, which is where Joseph and Hiram were shot and where Hiram Smith died. Joseph Smith was shot near the window and he fell outside of the jail. But what was interesting about this tour is we had this retired couple who were our guides. They were very nice. There was a very emotional story that was given by the man's wife. She was really pulling on your heartstrings. What bothered me, however, though, Eric, is I don't think her story would be all that emotional had she put in a lot of the details as to why was Joseph Smith there in the first place. She actually, I think, even insinuated they were trumped up charges that were not true. For a lot of the people sitting there, there's an anger about why is he here in the first place when it's very clear historically why Joseph Smith was in the jail. And we should talk about that because what had happened days earlier, there was a newspaper that was printed in Nauvoo called the Nauvoo Expositor. And there were seven men who were behind the publication of this newspaper. It was supposed to be a weekly paper, but it only had one edition. After the first edition came out and it had articles critical of Joseph Smith, you can understand Joseph Smith is not too happy about this. Joseph Smith, who was the mayor of Nauvoo at the time, had a city council meeting take place, and it was decided at this city council meeting to have the printing press destroyed and they were to pie the type. In other words, that was a term used to mean that they would scatter the type. So vandalism was involved in this destruction of the Nauvoo Press, and this upsets a lot of people. After he has the printing press destroyed, it ends up that Joseph Smith declares martial law in Nauvoo. And remember, not everybody who lives in Nauvoo are Latter-day Saints. There are a lot of non-Latter-day Saints that are living there at the time. They were certainly, I would assume, a minority, but it was not 100% Mormon. And so Joseph Smith eventually is convinced that he needs to go to Carthage and get this matter settled. And when he goes there to Carthage, he ends up being arrested and put in the Carthage jail. Instead of being charged for the charge of riot, which was the charge originally, now he's being charged with treason. Even I wonder, is that really correct? Should he have been charged with treason? I tend to think, no, he probably should not have been charged for treason. But still, he is in the jail for that charge, which is a pretty serious charge. That brings about the death penalty. This is not a misdemeanor. This is a a big deal. So this is why Joseph Smith was in the jail. None of that was mentioned. No mention of the Nauvoo Expositor was given to us as visitors at this time. And so you have this very emotional explanation, but she leaves out a lot of the very important facts. There was no mention of the smuggled pistols. She never brings up Cyrus Wheelock's name. She never brings up Fulmer's name. No mention of that whatsoever. And naturally, if you're not going to mention the gun, you can expect they're not going to mention the fact that Joseph Smith used that gun. And he did. In fact, I want to read for you from volume 7 of the Documentary History of the Church. On page 100, it says that Elder Cyrus H. Wheelock came in to see us, and when he was about leaving, drew a small pistol, a six-shooter, from his pocket, remarking, at the time, would any of you like to have this? 
Brother Joseph immediately replied, Yes, give it to me. Whereupon he took the pistol and put it in his pantaloons pocket. Now this story goes on on page 102 to tell us that after a mob attacks this jail, goes up the flight of stairs onto the landing, and we're trying to get into the room where Joseph and his brother and Willard Richards and John Taylor were located, it says that Joseph Smith instantly arose and with a firm, quick step and a determined expression of countenance approached the door and pulling the six-shooter left by Brother Wheelock from his pocket, opened the door slightly and snapped the pistol six successive times. Only three of the barrels, however, were discharged. He goes on to say, I afterwards understood that two or three were wounded by these discharges, two of whom, I am informed, died. Now, that last portion is controversial because I don't think anybody died from these wounds. But if nothing else, it shows that Joseph Smith had the intent to commit bodily harm against the mob. Now, you might argue, well, isn't it okay for Joseph Smith to try to defend himself? And I would say that that's probably a reasonable argument. However, he is a prisoner in a jail. It does make you wonder, how did these guys get in there in the first place, get past the guards? Was there some conspiracy going on? Probably. But the fact is, this is what happened, and it's recorded in their own history of the church. I just cited volume 7, pages 100, and then 102 to 103. If you go to our website, mrm.org slash trip. N-A-U-V-O-O hyphen trip. You'll see some photos that are from our trip, and the first four have to do with the Carthage Jail. But if you go to that third photo, you'll see the senior missionary holding the only weapon that they say that Joseph Smith had, which would have been a cane, a wooden cane, and how they held the cane against the door as their only defense. And then also there's a picture in the fourth picture of the landing. You'll, you'll have a chance to see that as well. You can follow this series and the pictures with the trip that we're describing. Now, while we were in this room listening to this very emotional story, we had to listen to several verses being sung of a song called A Poor Wayfaring Man of Grief. Now, this was originally a poem that was written by James Montgomery in 1826. It was a Christmas poem. Now, John Taylor learns of this poem, and it was turned into a song, and I guess it was John Taylor that told Joseph Smith about this song, and it ended up being put to music and is today still a part of the LDS hymnal. We understand that it was one of Joseph Smith's favorite songs, so he has John Taylor sing this song, A Poor Wayfaring Man of Grief. Now, there's seven stanzas to this song, and Eric, I know we listened to several, I think perhaps maybe even four stanzas we had to listen to. Now, why does that become important? After our tour had come to an end, we were not allowed to ask questions, which was very different from all the other times that I had attended here. We always were allowed to ask questions in the room at the time. And now we were told, no, if we wanted to ask questions, we had to go outside. Well, this woman's husband left first, and I followed him out the door, and I followed him down the stairs, and I engaged this man into, in a conversation, and I told him that I, I was a, a bit, I don't know if I use the word offended, but I felt like my emotions were being manipulated by the presentation that this man's wife had given. 
because she left out a lot of very important information that probably would have made me think otherwise and maybe not so sympathetic in this case. When I asked him about the smuggled pistol, he says he knew about the pistols, but we just don't have the time to talk about that. Well, you would have if we hadn't listened to several stanzas of a poor wayfaring man of grief. I could have explained the story of the pistols in a matter of just a few seconds, but that was the excuse that I was given. But you can understand why they don't include that, because that would give you a different perspective of what was really going on in this building on that day in June of 1844. It was very emotional. There was a box of uh, tissues in front of me on a bench. And I remember this one young girl coming up to grab one because you could hear the sniffles in the room. But I was not very impressed with the answer that I was given by the senior missionary. Certainly, they could have put that in there. But let's be serious, folks. They are there to portray Joseph Smith as bigger than life. He is to them a true prophet of God, and they're not going to include a lot of the information that may take away from that story or that would take away from that belief. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism. How would you like to have Mormonism Research Ministry address your church on the subject of Mormonism? MRM's Bill McKeever and Derek Johnson have spoken at many Christian churches all over the country. You see, they can tailor their presentation to meet your church's needs. Anything from a one-day basic introduction to a weekend symposium. You'll find these PowerPoint presentations clear, articulate, and presented in a Christ-honoring fashion. So let your pastor know today that you'd like to have MRM speak at your church. Write us at contact at mrm.org.